Father, thank you for Uncle Luke. Um, just come in to bless us tonight, Lord, and just to, just to preach your word, just to give us something, a nugget of wisdom, uh, something that we can take home to apply into our everyday life. So I just pray that as he preaches your word, Father, I just pray that your spirit will just be with him and will help him to articulate everything that you've placed inside of him and that we'll just receive it well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Great. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Wow, guys, it's just amazing to be here this evening and to be able to share and minister God's word to you guys tonight. Um, yeah, the Uncle Luke thing, yes, it's a tough one, you know. Um, uh, I, I, think it was, I think it was Seth. Seth was a, a, a worship leader. Oh, yeah, this is the usual story of music stands, yeah. They're either broken or you can't really... Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go Hanali. <laughs> yeah, you see, it's um, uh, yeah. We uh, when you when you come on the music ministry course here, yeah, the one of the things is music stand 101, you know, which you which we do here, you know, and um, but I think it was Seth uh, who used to be involved in uh, the youth youth ministry reverb. Yeah, he he was he was the the bad guy who started with like Uncle Luke, you know. I'm like, what's up with this guy? And then he just continued, and then everybody just, ugh. Oh, you know, so, so you're like Uncle Luke forever, you know. So it's a bit sad, but anyway. Um, I, just before we get into the Word, I, I don't want to move on just from something that I really uh, felt and experienced just in that. Did you feel that pause time? Uh, in the music ministry, yes, I know you did. Yeah, yeah. Did, did any? Yeah, we'll we'll just ignore these people. Did anybody else just experience something? You know, there was just a bit of like, it's it was almost like the curtains were just like drawn back and opened up, and and uh, and so you know, I I immediately saw the picture of uh, Revelations chapter four, verse one says, and I heard a voice in heaven. Saying what? Does anyone know what that voice said? The voice said, come up here. So um, the, the voice didn't say, I heard a voice in heaven saying, what are you doing with your life? You know. <laughs> oh, you know, you know. Why are you eating so many carbs? You know. I didn't hear a voice like that, you know. But really the voice of heaven saying, come up here. There was such an invitation of the Lord to us tonight. And it is such a personal invitation and it is such a corporate invitation to us. And so I, just before we carry on, I just want to acknowledge the Lord and just acknowledge who he is in this place. And so I'm just, just going to just want to pray just into that. And as I pray, just open your, your eyes your ears, and I'm not meaning physical, I mean spiritual eyes and ears. Um, Paul talks about the eyes of your heart. Uh, in uh, millennial language, we talk about there was a portal opening, you know, from heaven, you know. Uh, if you read in the scriptures, it says angels were ascending and descending upon Jesus. Jesus Christ lives inside of you, that there's an opening. And in this church of ours, we are experiencing um, so much of God's um, testimonies 
amongst our people. We open it up to testimonies, and we, as believers, well, we are called believers, but as believers, we should be believing in the testimonies of Jesus. Of course, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus as well. So we should be taking hold of the prophetic word. It's no accident that in this church, we, in this last term, when everybody runs into the red and it goes crazy, we didn't call the uh, term theme, let's survive to the end, guys. You know, we didn't call it that. We called it arise and shine. And that might be quite uh, counterintuitive to where we are at. It might be quite counterintuitive to your uh, specific place of life at the moment. Uh, just in terms of the pressures of life. We know the financial pressures that we as a nation are going through. If I'm going through financial pressure, I know you guys sitting here are going through the same. And for others of you, you might be going through real relational pressures within families. Or you might be uh, really challenged uh, by sickness and disease. And it's like the Lord is saying, come up here. I'm longing to encounter with you. And I'm longing for you to experience something that is not earthly. I'm longing for you to experience, as we, what do we pray? I mean, we don't even think about it. Uh, we pray on earth as it is in heaven. You know? So what does it look like in heaven? Uh, Book of Revelation is... Uh, Fun trip, man, of what heaven looks like. It's pretty wild and radical. I was just reading the other day. It says that I saw a woman in heaven, and she was clothed with the sun. Hey? I won't even continue the rest, because it, it's so graphic. Um, but the Lord is saying, you know, what is it like in heaven? In heaven, he talks about righteousness, peace, and joy. He talks about absolute provision, prosperity, healing, and health. So I'm going to pray right now. And so for you, if anything there just shifts and aligns and, and you felt any just movement or the Lord shaking, wrestling, um, digging into your heart, you know, uh, just take this prayer. So Lord, I pray tonight that as you are, busy calling us as a people. And you know who we are as individuals. You know our needs. You know our challenges. Uh, you know our joys, our mourning, our frustration. Um, but Lord, as we sang in so many songs tonight, by your grace, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. We know that even when we can't see it, with the eyes of our natural eyes, we can't see the horizon. We know, Lord God, that by faith, that there is absolute peace, joy, provision, and healing. And as we choose tonight to be called believers of your word, not doubters, not achievers, but believers of your word, Lord, that we believe you for your promises. And maybe, Lord, we get the timing of those promises wrong. But, Lord, we will not stop pushing in 
And we will not stop responding to the voice of heaven, which is calling, come up here. I want to show you things to come. I delight in you as a people. I'm not from heaven shouting down, uh, what are you doing? I am not pleased with you. In fact, the voice says, I am pleased with you because you have a heart to pursue me. And so I pray tonight, Lord God, that you open these things up to us and by your grace and your glory, we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was chatting this morning with uh, Pastor Louis, with Pastor Sean, uh, with Gerben. We were chatting while we were uh, praying before the service. And um, uh, Sean said something there. He said, you know what? He says, I can't remember in the last 20 plus years that we as a church have ever taken a book of the Bible and journeyed through it so intensely like we've done in this season. Uh, We've had uh, many um, uh, themes as we go through a term, like we're in a theme right now, Arise and Shine, but our scriptures have been from the book of James. And uh, so that's going back to the founder of our church, Pastor Ed, who, who died in 97, so 22 years ago. But how refreshing has it has been for us, you know. I know just like when uh, we come together and we pray before the service, just listening to the worship team here, they're just bubbling with uh, revelation. And it's all because we are on the same page, figuratively and literally. We're on the same page. We're like reading the book of James. And we're taking it through like verse by verse or chapter by chapter at a time. And it's really impacting. Um, so just again, who was here last week in this service? Or maybe in the morning service as well? There's a couple of you. I know my amazing brother here, Mike, he did a great job of teaching about the tongue and how it gets you into hot water sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, um, and this was, I'm going to be speaking on wisdom tonight, which is the second part of James. The tongue, of course, which is the first part of James chapter 3, James chapter 3 is where we're at tonight, is uh, um, uh, just, I just, I don't want to leave it there. I just want to take it in as we go into wisdom. But, you know, as I was looking at the, and looking at the text, I was just so reminded by a funny story that I heard. Um, there was this guy that he, um, uh, English wasn't his first language, and so what he did is uh, he took some classes and after a few months of classes, uh, he wanted to really impress his lecturer, you know, and said, uh, he came up to him and chatted with him afterwards and said, he says, you know, the, the, the challenge that I have with the English language is, is that um, uh, I find the meaning of the words quite vague And the uh, lecturer said to him, uh, uh, come again? Uh, he said, I find the meaning of the words quite vague he said, oh, no, no, it's not vague, it's vague. He said, oh, oh yeah, okay, because, you know, when I, I pronounce these new English words, they, they twist my tongue, <laughs> And he said, no, no, it's not tongue, it's tongue. 
So he said, let me help you with a, with a bit of a grammatical rule, okay? So at the end of a word, uh, if it's a U and an E, you know, it's, it's silent. So it's not vague it's vague, it's not tongue it's tongue. And the guy said, oh, okay, okay, let's not arg about it, you know? So, <laughs> so, of course, that's the joy of the English language, isn't it? It's so full of exceptions, it drives you nuts, you know? <laughs> But, um, uh, you, you know, uh, Jesus spoke really clearly about this. Um, you know, in uh, Luke chapter 6, he talks about that out of the treasure of your heart, a good heart, you bring forth good things. Out of the treasure of an evil heart, you bring forth evil things. And he actually says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So I want to give a bit of a prophetic picture to this, of where we're at, how important it is. Uh, we are in the year, I think, 2019, going into 2020, okay? That is on the Gregorian, Roman, Greco calendar, blah, blah. Um, but on the Jewish calendar, we're in quite a different year. Uh, the Jewish calendar works in lunar cycles, like 13 months in the year, and for... Leap years, they make up things here and there. But in the Jewish year, we are in the, in the Jewish year, we are in the year 5780. Yeah, 5780. So that's pretty cool. So we're back in the 80s, guys. Hey? <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, man, the 80s. Hey, Mo, the 80s. Eh? Some of you are thinking, cool, it's the 80s again. Some of you are thinking, oh, my goodness, I wish it, I'd like to have forgotten the 80s. And I think some of you are wondering, what were the 80s? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. We're in the year 5780. Now, the Lord speaks through anything, okay, as you know. But he did choose to reveal himself through the first people group, being the Hebrews. And the, I don't follow... Um, uh, the feasts and things like that and not bound by the law because Paul is very clear that we have been liberated by the law. But there's something to do with the Lord's time and his clock. And I don't want to ignore those things. So in, in Jewish um, a culture, in numerology and pictorial things around numbers is very important. If you sum up 5780, um, it, it literally means the year to widen your mouth in wisdom or zip it shut. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, oh, yeah. How's that? I mean, it's incredible. The year 57 is the year to widen your mouth in wisdom or shut up, you know, zip it shut. It's like, it's, it's pretty clear. In the, in the decade of the 50, where, the 5770s, it was all about the pictures were about the eye and the Lord showing and, and with showing us what we need to be seen. Um, but in the number 80, the, pic, the picture uh, is around the mouth and what the Lord is speaking around our mouths. So um, just uh, it just feels to me on a prophetic sense how the Lord is taking us, even with this book of James, the Lord is asking us to arise and shine, which is very much active, engaging, not passive, in what the Lord wants to do in us and through us as a church. 
And believe me that we as a church have a significant impact on our nation. In fact, what we did here tonight has a significant impact. You might ask why. We didn't even leave the walls of this auditorium. What happens is when you and I engage with the Lord, there is a shift and a change in the atmosphere. And when we speak those things out, make proclamations like we have done in the time of music ministry here, you know, whether it be free-flowing and prophetic or whether we're just singing songs, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. Arise, shine, come out of your darkness, walk out of your chains. There's a shift and a change in the atmosphere that's happening. And you shift and change the atmosphere around you. What is most personal is most universal, and it starts to change the atmosphere of our city. So that's why uh, worship is so important, because uh, Satan just hates it. It's not like we stole his gig from him, you know. He really doesn't like it. So I just want to encourage you, in line with what this is saying around the Jewish calendar, where we are as a church, widen your mouth in wisdom. If you can't do that, have discernment to zip it shut. Okay. All right, so wisdom is the key in this sense. When, you know, if you think of wisdom and knowledge, you know, I gain knowledge about a certain thing. Um, I have a bit of knowledge in a certain area, and I, uh, over time and study, have a skill in that area. I'm sure all of you sitting here have a skill or two or three in a specific area. But wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge that would actually have a good, prudent, or positive outcome. Um, I was actually, a uh, Ruolt, I see Ruolt is here tonight. I was just chatting with Ruolt this morning. <laughs> Ruolt, if my facts are wrong, please just, just correct me. So Ruolt and I were chatting. He was telling me about a gentleman in our church who is a retired airline pilot. Am I correct? And he, uh, he was, I think it was his early days, eh, that he was flying, doing f uh, flights from America uh, down here to, to South Africa. And um, um, he would sit and do the calculations as they fly over the Atlantic, checking the, you know, type of how fast they're going, how much thrust they're using uh, with the engines, how much fuel they have. And of course, that uh, we've pretty good bet or better with technology in terms of uh, fuel consumption these days, but maybe in those days not so much. And so he was looking at the figures and he was seeing, okay, so we're so far out, we've got so much fuel left, we're not going to make it to OR Tamba. This plane is not going to make it. Uh, do the calculations like, okay, <laughs> what are we going to do? We're <laughs> like big trouble. I mean, this is airline, you know. So he spoke to, was it the captain or the, the captain of the plane, and said, listen, let me just show you according to my calculations of what we're doing. And the captain said, hey, man, look at your weather instruments. Um, if you look 10,000 feet below where we're flying, there's a nice current that is going in the exact direction down south where we need to go. If we just drop 10,000 feet into there, get into that current, Hey, man, Bob's your uncle. We're going to make it home. And uh, landed in Oatambo with, from what I understand, enough fuel to still go to Cape Town and back. 
So for me, that's kind of like wisdom, using wisdom correctly. I mean, this pilot who Rolt was telling me about today, uh, he had the knowledge, but the pilot had real wisdom. In like, just, just check that out. If you just make that adjustment there, it's going to be all okay. So I want to jump to our text for tonight. So if you have your Bibles or devices, you can turn to James chapter 3 and verse 13. And this is where it really takes off. Um, James 3 verse 13, and we're going to read all the way to 18. So James says, If you are wise and understand God's ways... Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. Yeah. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every and evil of every kind. You know, uh, you, I mean, you can think the exorcist and hexagrams on the ground, forget about all that. He says that jealousy, selfish ambition is actual. That's the demonic. He says, but... The wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing, to, uh, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So James is referring to the wisdom from above. So I just want to take you on a bit of a journey on what is, what are the, the, what is the nature. He gives the attributes there, but what is the nature of this wisdom from above? So uh, the wisdom from above implies that it's wisdom from a heavenly place or a heavenly dimension. For us, we might think that the heavenly dimension is out there and far away. And actually that it might be inaccessible for us mere mortals. Of course, this is not the truth. The truth is, Paul writes to us in Ephesians 2 and he says that you and I are seated in the heavenly realm together with Christ Jesus. So... Okay, let's go on a bit of a quantum physics journey around that, okay? Because we kind of have to, you know? Because life is not one-dimensional. Life is multi-dimensional in that sense. So tell my mom I say hi, and yeah, and God bless you. Um, you and I are seated physically in this realm, in this auditorium tonight. In the spiritual realm, as you are sons and daughters of the Most High, if you are sons and daughters of the Most High, then Paul writes that you and I are seated in the heavenly realm with Christ Jesus. 
So right now, at this place, you and I are in that realm. We have access to that realm. So this wisdom from above, how do you get this wisdom from above? We like speak the magic word. What's the magic word? Please, yeah, speak friend and enter. No, that's not it. (laughs) For all the Lord of the Rings fans, yeah, no. The magic word is, yeah, please, or ask. If you go back to chapter 1, what does James say? He says, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, what must you do? Ask. And guess what? He doesn't give it to you fault-finding. He gives it to you liberally without fault-finding. So you have access to that wisdom. He gives it to you liberally without fault-finding. And then because this wisdom comes from above, it is eternal in nature, and it gives you an eternal perspective. So I think I've preached enough, so I think I'm just going to say, cheers, guys. Have a lacquer evening. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come and grab my illustration for tonight. Okay. All right. So here's my illustration. Okay. So we're going to talk about eternal perspective. Oh, my goodness. Where does it? Where, where, okay. All right. So, so let's for a moment, and if you've seen this illustration, enjoy it again. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Let's for a moment imagine that this rope is your life. What I mean by life is your eternal existence. Okay. Because, because you are eternal. All of us will live an eternal life. You just kind of get to choose how you live that life, okay, or where you live that life. But we are eternal beings, no doubt about that. So this rope, what happens is, this is just the first part of the rope. What it happens is it goes out the door, down Corabay Avenue, past Times Square, and around the world a few times. Then it kicks out beyond Mars and eventually beyond my favorite planet, which was knocked off the list, Pluto. And then it goes on beyond the stars, our neighboring stars, somewhat beyond the edge of our galaxy. This goes continuously. So what I'm trying to say is eternal. It has no end to it, this rope. Of course, this is not true. It's just tied to the pole there. But just for a moment, imagine that it's going on. Okay. Now, this little white piece represents your life on Earth. Okay. And the rope is eternal in length. Okay. So the wisdom from above helps us make choices around what's going on with the rest of the rope. The wisdom from below, or so-called wisdom, or phantom wisdom, you make decisions around this. So then what we do is we say, okay, you know, just from that piece to that piece, I'm just, you know, I'm going to make some life-altering decisions that will affect that piece. Or maybe I'm going to make some life-altering decisions that's just going to affect that little piece of the rope. Okay. But it's still just your life on earth. 
So what blows my mind is that we make decisions that affect this little piece of the rope. We, have, we don't even think about the rest. We don't think about life eternal and how it goes on. And this is the wisdom that comes from above, and this is the wisdom that God wants us to tap into. So when, when, you, when you're making decisions around life, and we make, I'm not talking about being irresponsible. I'm not saying we don't make decisions uh, now that will affect us in 10, 20, 30, 40 years' time. What I'm saying is, where's your priority? Is your priority around that little piece, that little white piece in the front? Or is your priority more around the rest of your eternal existence? So James contradicts these two. Okay, let's look at the characters of the wisdom from below. So they are ugly. Jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy, the Greek word there, jealousy, implies that it's an obsession to promote oneself at the expense of others. Yeah, yeah, it's quite painful. Selfish ambition is characterized by or manifesting concern or care only for oneself. Okay, so um, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I have rights, you know. I am entitled to my piece of selfishness. So entitlement of like, this is who I am, this is what I have, and uh, I don't really care about how it affects you, but I'm going to grab hold, I'm going to take hold of it, you know. That word uh, um, uh, demonic, it, uh, it also, the Greek word also implies that it means to behave like a demon. That's nasty, man. If you think, you know, and, and just think this is, this is how Lucifer was, okay, and still is. This is how he portrayed himself. You know, he was no longer going to, uh, I'm not submitting to you, God, because it's my time now. And so he just, okay, I'm rebelling in that sense. And for all of us, you know, just there's an inherent selfishness in us, you know, if you're not married, you'll discover it when you get married, you know. But um, <laughs> you discover that, wow, there's a selfishness in me, you know. And it's a constant battling and purging out of that selfishness, you know, to, to give my life for my wife, to give my life for somebody else, you know. Uh, and then even with children, you know, to give your life for your children, uh, it goes against the selfishness or the self-preservation. And this is the wisdom that comes from below. The thing is, wisdom that comes from below, it's often cloaked in true wisdom. It often looks like true wisdom. But once you get into the, the under, uh, underground current and you begin to realize it's selfish, it's for its own gain, its own motive, its own ambition. That's the litmus test. It's done. So, um, and you can look through history, just look at any dictators, any of the tyrannizers, the oppressors, there's always that wisdom from below, that selfish ambition at the expense and the cost of someone else. Um, and I think we will all go through life and tests around this ambition, around this self-promotion. I remember some years ago I was involved in a 
uh, a ministry in the, in the inner city, and um, there was three of us as leaders that were running this, like a worship center and an outreach center and that type of thing. And at the end of one of the years, uh, one of the people that was part of that ministry invited um, myself and the two other guys that were leading, heading up the ministry to their house, and just as a way of honoring us, just to say, listen, we just want to thank you so much for what you've done through the year, and really just amazing people honoring us. And so what they did is they brought out these, like a bouquet full of uh, sweets and chocolates and um, biltong and wonderful things to drink in this like massive bouquet. The only problem was they only brought two out. And uh, those two were given to the other two guys. Yes, and something rose up in me. And I'm like, I'm like wow, okay. So, um, uh, so what about me? Uh, envy, just absolute envy just rose up in me. And I was like, sure, but um, didn't they recognize like my contribution and the three of us are equal leaders, why, you know, blah, blah, blah. You have this dialogue in your head, it happens in seconds, but it feels like it's very long. Left there and <clears throat> woke up the next morning and I just like, uh, the Lord is so faithful. I just went to my Bible and the Lord just opened up scripture after scripture of who he is and how he is. You know, uh, one of them is Philippians 2. Jesus humbled himself. You know, he's the king of heaven. He's the creator of all things. And yet, he humbled himself by being the creator, becoming a creature, subject to the elements. Humbled himself yet further by when people reviled him and came against him, did not throw an accusation, kept completely quiet. And of course, he goes right down the steps, even to death, death on the cross. And with many scriptures, the Lord just opened it up to me and said, hey man, what's your problem? It's a hamper. You know? <laughs> it's just a hamper, you know. And listen, of course, the Lord was just putting a grand old test before me, you know, just like, yeah, you know. What wisdom is running around inside of you is, you know, and so I, I was just so thankful to, I just, I, I said, Lord, forgive me for that. So, you know, humility is big. Look, humility, and I heard Pam say this morning, humility is not humiliation. Okay. There are many definitions for humility, but I'll grab one. I'll say humility, which is the key to godly wisdom, is simply agreeing with God. Humility is agreeing with God. And that can look very different from person to person and season to season in your life. The Lord says to you, I want you to be a cell leader of five people. I want you to pour out your life and I want you to minister to them there. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. To somebody else or maybe to you in a decade on, Lord says, I want, I want you to pastor a church of 5,000 people. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure if I want to pastor a church of 5,000 people. It's hectic, guys. But agree with God. And I've actually heard that testimony come out of our senior pastor's mouth. He said he was like super relaxed in the South Church there. He had a circle of three kilometers that he drove around from in-laws to his parents to his kids' schools to church. Why do you want to come and pastor this church here and things like that? But he is a humble man. He said, Lord, I agree with you. I'll do it. So for you or for us, wisdom from below says the 5,000 is far more significant than the five. But I can tell you it's not at all. The 5,000 is far more important. Remember, God does not see the way we see. So tap into God's wisdom around humility. Humility opens that door. You will always see wisdom from above displayed in humility. And if you have a look at these characteristics of wisdom, the wisdom from above is pure. It's peace-loving, it's gentle, it's considerate, willing to yield to reason, submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial, it's sincere. The Greek kind of says they're never wearing a mask. And then he goes on to say that we sow in peace. Now that word sow in peace is actually around the word shalom, which we know to be peace, the word peace. But shalom is so much more. Shalom is a state of wholeness, health, completion. It's an integrated life. Be very careful to live your life in a box. Not a box, many boxes. So this is my life where I come to church and it's completely separate from the life that I have with friends, from the life that I have at my job, from the life that I have with my family. God is calling us to an integrated life, a one life. So the wisdom from above helps you, that peace of God, to live that integrated life. And I mean, we are human. We all blow it but that God will help us to live a life that is consistent with his word and with his grace. And so I just, just in wrapping up tonight, I just want to say that as, as you're taking a hold of God's word and you're wrestling with God's word, because remember God's word is, it's not two-dimensional or even three-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. You can revisit James chapter 3 next week you can revisit it in 10 years' time, and you will see something in it that you've never seen before. And that is what God is doing for us. So I want to invite you to engage with the Scriptures. This is not a time for us to be passive, uh, whether it's in public space like this, whether it's in your personal space with dealing or praying and asking the Lord like for direction, speaking. This is a time to engage with him and say, Lord, what are you saying to me in your word? And he will really allow wisdom, the wisdom from above, to begin to flow into you, to flow through you. And be humble about it.
And, you know, when you have these things, like I told you with that testimony, where something rises up inside of you, you go like, hey, Lord, there's some dirt in me. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> so, Lord, help me. I humble myself. I agree with who you are, with what you do, with who you say you are. And then ask the Lord for grace. Now, grace is not mercy. Ask the Lord for mercy too. That's really good. It's important. But grace is God's empowering presence that enables you to be who he's created you to be. It enables you to do who, or what he's called you to do. So ask him. Say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your empowering presence tonight. I need it for tomorrow morning. When I'm, I know I'm in that situation, I'm in that meeting, I'm in that environment that I feel is toxic. Lord, I need your grace, I need your empowering presence. Humble yourself, he'll give you the wisdom. So I'm going to pray for us tonight and just ask the Lord to impart that to us. And as we ask the Lord to impart that to us, let's be believers and trust him. So Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord that as you have taken us into a place of putting your glory on display, God, I'm asking you, we are asking you to give us that wisdom that really is from above. We know we have access to it. Right now we are seated next to you in the heavenly realm and your grace, your empowering presence is with us. I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight. I pray that as we encounter your word, wrestle with it, engage it, love it. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are a helper to us. Holy Spirit, you are our intercessor. You're our strengthener. You stand by us. You're our advocate when the accuser accuses us. You are our comforter when we need comfort. And you are our counselor. You counsel us in the way we should go. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us. Reveal your word to us. Reveal this wisdom from above to us. And as you reveal it to us, Lord God, I thank you that tonight that you are shifting and changing things in the spirit. We believe it. We trust you for it. And as you're doing that, God, we can bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.